people think they know that already. If you're not careful, you can almost tune out. But when you get to John chapter 3, I want you to put a Bible ribbon or a marker there of some kind because my intention, if the Lord lets us live and Jesus doesn't come, is I'm going to come back to John chapter 3 and John chapter 4 Monday night and Tuesday night. We're going to live here in this portion of the gospel record for two or three days. How many of you are members of this church? Wave at me just a second. All you members, that's really good. And if you're not a member, join today, all right? Uh, but if you're a member of this church, we've got a special meeting Monday and Tuesday, and I'm excited about it. I really am. I want to see what God has for us. And uh, I believe the Lord's led me to this portion of the Bible, and I'm going to lay a little foundation for that today. But I want you to know that what I'm about to show you from Scripture is not just for the members of this church. Maybe like me, you're visiting today, or you've been coming occasionally, and you don't belong here yet. But what I'm about to show you is not just for this church. What I'm about to show you is for everybody that is breathing. How many of you are breathing? Good. If your neighbor didn't raise their hand, would you lean over and check on them real quick? Just make sure. I've seen some people in church I wondered about, you know. But if you're breathing, that's the Lord's gift to you. You're alive. And God has something that he wants to say to every living person. We begin with one verse. I think you know the verse. It's John chapter 3, verse number 16. If I only had one verse to preach, had to summarize it all, this would be it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's read it out loud together. You got it in front of you, John chapter 3, verse number 16. I'm, I'm sure you can probably quote it, but put your eyes on the words because it'll do your soul good just to think on every word of this. Look at it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Turn to that sinner next to you. Everybody turn to the sinner next to you. And I want you to read this verse to them, all right? And you say, well, that's not very nice, preacher. Well, let me help you. You're listening to a sinner right now, too. We're all a bunch of sinners. We all need this verse. I want you to read it to the person next to you. If it helps you read it with more enthusiasm to get your pointing finger out, your preaching finger, and point at them, then by all means do that. Ready? Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 stands alone, of course, and yet it does not stand alone because not a single verse in the Bible stands by itself. Every verse is connected to every other verse. Every text a preacher might take, and you've got a faithful preacher who stands here every Sunday. You don't have to have a guest preacher come through town to hear the Bible. You're going to hear the Bible every Lord's Day. But every text he may take is connected to the context around it. I don't know how I missed this for years. As a boy, I grew up quoting John 3.16 and sharing John 3.16 and knowing John 3.16. But somehow, I never really realized where it was placed in the Word of God. Do you believe that the God of the Bible is a God of order? That nothing's there on accident, that everything is there in perfect order because that's just who He is. Did you ever notice that John chapter 3 and verse number 16 is placed strategically, divinely, sovereignly, between two of the most amazing stories of conversion in all of Scripture. Now, this is fascinating to me, but it's almost like sandwiched between 
These two amazing stories, you have this great gospel verse, John chapter 3, verse number 16. And the stories are really different, and yet they're really the same. Uh, You've got on one hand in John chapter 3 a man who is very religious. Uh, He's a member of the Sanhedrin. He knows the Old Testament scriptures. I mean, you talk about a guy who checked all the boxes. That was Nicodemus. Then swing to the other side of the spectrum, John chapter 4, You've got a worldly woman who has been married and divorced five times and is now living with a man who is not her husband. How many of you think those two people sound different to you? Do you know what I've discovered? Everybody's different. You have men and women. You have Jew and Samaritan or Gentile. You have religious and non-religious. You may have educated and uneducated. You may have rich. You may have poor. Everybody's different. Look at the people around you just a minute. You have my permission, all right? Look all the way around you. Some people came in after you sat down. Wave at somebody you haven't seen yet this morning, all right? You got permission, good. See all those people? How many of you think the people sitting around you right now are different than you? Would you raise your hand? How many of you thank God you're different from them? Would you raise your hand? Sure. We're all different. And yet, please don't miss this. Would you hear me with your heart? We're all different, and we're all the same. I travel every week of my life. Every week, I'm in a different part of the country. Uh, next next uh, Lord's Day, I'll be uh, up north in uh, Pennsylvania, in Yankee land. Any Yankees here? Some of you migrated down, didn't you? I know. That's right. And you know what I've discovered in my, in my travel? It, look, it could be east coast, west coast, north, south. It could be in the country, out of the country. Here's what I've discovered. Cultures are different. Language is a little different. Accent is different. Foods are different. There are things that change, and yet one thing is always the same. Everybody I meet is a sinner, and everybody needs a Savior. The great common denominator, the great equalizer is this. We are all desperate, black-hearted, hell-deserving sinners who need the mercy of Jesus. And don't miss this. Everybody gets saved the same way. There's a lot of talk in our world today about cutting through prejudice. Let me tell you, the most equal thing in the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. One old country preacher used to say, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. That's exactly right. Because nobody struts their way to the presence of God. Nobody earns it. Nobody deserves it. Nobody gets there on their own. We all come exactly like we are to Jesus Christ, and the truth we've just read in John three sixteen becomes a glorious reality. Do you know what everybody needs? Everybody needs a new beginning with God. Have you ever thought in life that you wish you had a do-over? Uh, I remember years ago, I was preaching in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, it was an evening meeting. We had a great meeting. And the service was over, and the, the pastor said to me, let's, let's go get something to eat. And it was late because the preacher had preached too long. And so we're trying to find a place that's open. And we found a restaurant just before it closed. I really felt bad, you know. If you've ever worked in a restaurant, you know, people walk in 15 minutes before you close. They're not your favorite people. And we walked in, and we were about the only people in the restaurant. And they seated us. And the place was, I hate to say this, the place was dirty. It had been uh, lived in hard that evening, you know, and not cleaned up good. And we found a place to sit. They were over in a corner, and a waitress came, and I could see her when she started across the restaurant. I could see the look on her face of utter exasperation. 
and she was tired. She had had a long evening, and I was feeling sorry for her by the time she got to our table. And uh, I said to her, look, we're going to be quick, and we're going to be the best customers you've had all day. We're going to tip really well. That brightened her up just a little bit, you know. And I don't know. I know now it was the Holy Spirit. I had never really asked this question of anybody before, not till that night. I've asked it a lot since. But I said to her, she was tired, very tired, and I said to her, you ever thought you'd like to have a new start in life? And she started weeping. I thought, man, she really has had a hard day today. And that wasn't it. I didn't know her, didn't know her story. Aren't you glad God knows exactly where we all are? She knelt down. Now, that was providential, too. She knelt down beside the table. I mean, this before she took our drink orders, and she's weeping. And she said, I don't know who you are. And she said, I'm not exactly sure why you came here tonight. But she said, that's what I've been looking for. She said, I need a new start. She said, my husband and I split up. She said, I've got a little boy, and we're having a hard time. And she said, I moved here from the country to the big city thinking I'd get a, a new start here. She said, I thought surely here there'd be opportunity. And she said, I'm struggling to pay the bills and make ends meet. She said, I'm, I'm really having a hard time, sir. She said, I need a new start. And I said to her, well, I got really good news for you then. <laughs> she said, really? I said, oh, yeah, really good news. I know how you can have a new start. And it doesn't start with money or job or family or anything else. It starts with God because the God of beginnings is the God of new beginnings. And every good thing in our life always begins with God. And would you know that kneeling there beside that table that night before we even got our meal, I had the privilege to share with her what I'm about to share with you. And she bowed her head and trusted Jesus as her Savior. It was a highlight meeting for me. I realized God didn't take me there to preach to that church that night only. God took me there to meet that one woman. And you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that everybody, everywhere I go, is looking for a new start. Now, here's the reality. You can't back up. You can't go back to the past. There's no do-over button in life. You don't get to restart and relive what you've already lived. But here's the truth of the gospel. Are you ready? God says he's made a way so that you can start again right where you are. You can have a new beginning with God. And there's only one way to have a new start. You know what that is? You've got to have a new heart. And only Jesus can do that for us. Now, look at the two stories with me just a moment, would you please? Because they have something in common. Of course, they have Jesus in common. But look at John chapter 3 for just a moment. There was a man. There's the man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be, say the next two words with me, please, born again. Stop and look at me just a minute. How many of you ever heard the term born again? And there's a lot of confusion in our world today about what that means. In fact, it was a little confusing to Nicodemus. He wasn't exactly sure what it meant either. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, that's the first birth, and of the spirit, that's the second birth. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Let me ask you a question. Have you had a first birth, yes or no? 
If you're here and alive today, unless you got here some other way, you've been born. And you have a birthday. Is that right? So here's the real question. Do you know? I don't mean do you think. Have you been baptized? Are you a member of a church? Are you a good guy? You're trying hard. Do you absolutely know as certainly as you were born the first time that you have had the second birth? Because this is what it means to have a new start with God. This is Nicodemus's new start. Now, the words here, born again, literally means to be born from above. I love this. It's not something you do. It's something God does in you. No man can do this for you. Only Jesus can do this for you. That's why he said it's not fleshly, it's spiritual. It is the work of the Holy Spirit of God in the hearts of people that brings them to recognize their need of a Savior and draw them to the only one who can save, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And praise God, the Lord does that for religious people like Nicodemus. People are trying hard but recognize at some point they can never get there on their own. Look, you stand in a garage, that doesn't make you a car. And you can sit in a church, that doesn't make you a Christian. Because the change you need doesn't happen from the outside in. It happens from the inside out. Only Jesus can give the new birth. Birth is miraculous. My wife and I have three children. All look like their mother. Thank God for that. And they're grown now. And um, we have our first grandchild. Any grandparents here? Yeah, I have joined your happy club, let me tell you. I used to think grandparents are the craziest people on earth, always wanting to show their pictures, you know. But now I, I enjoy every minute of it. And holding that little baby girl in my hands a few weeks ago, I was reminded again what a miraculous thing it is that God gives life. May I say to you, when a soul is saved, when somebody gets their sin forgiven and is given peace with God, that is not natural, that is supernatural. That is the miraculous work of the grace of Almighty God, and it is the only way to have a new beginning with the Lord. And it's not only miraculous, it's instantaneous. There's a period, of course, that leads up to the birth, and I think very often God is working on people to bring them to the place of the new birth, and he's showing them who he is and revealing scripture and drawing them to himself. But brother, I'm going to tell you something. You don't ease your way into the kingdom of God. There's a moment in time where you repent and believe the gospel. And at that moment, miraculously and instantaneously, Jesus Christ becomes your personal savior. And what does a birth do? It brings you into a family. In fact, there's only two ways to come into the family. You've got to be born or be adopted. And the New Testament says salvation is both. It is, it is the miraculous work of the, work of the new birth, and it is the loving choice of adoption that God Almighty, blessed be our Heavenly Father, would make a way so that sinners who are enemies of God because of our sin could literally be brought into the family of God. God doesn't just give you enough salvation to keep you out of hell someday. He gives you a whole salvation that brings you into his family today. And this happens through the new birth. What is it? It's the new start only Jesus can give. Now go to John chapter 4. Look at the other side of the coin. We meet the woman. In verse number 7, there comes a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were going away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, Oh, I love this expression. If thou knewest, what's it say? The gift of God. 
Let me tell you what salvation is. It is the free gift of Almighty God. You don't earn it, but you don't have to. It's already been bought and paid for, and God offers it freely to us. If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is, don't miss that. It's not a what, it's a who. And who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee, what's it say? Living water. Wait a minute. What does is, what is birth and water have in common? One thing. You ready? Life. Birth is the beginning of life, and water is essential to life. Most of your body is made up of water. You, you can go a little while without food, but you can't go very long without water. You must have water, and Jesus offers her not just water, not physical water, not, not the natural water. No, no. He offers her spiritual water, eternal water. Look at it, please. Living water. And the woman says, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children his cattle? I love that. There's a little divine humor. She said, Are you greater than Jacob? Sister, I'm going to tell you something. He made Jacob. You're talking to the God of Jacob, looking him in the face. Verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, Whosoever, there's that word, drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up in everlasting life. Hey, you may come for a drink, but you don't just get a drink. When you get Jesus, you get the whole well. And it's not just a well, it's a spring. It's rivers of living water that flow out of you. What is this? It's a new beginning with God. On one hand, you had a man who was seeking, trying to ask questions, trying to figure it out, trying to understand. And Jesus said, you've got to be born again. And on the other hand, you got a woman who was not seeking, but she was being sought. By the way, we all are being sought by the great seeker, and that's the Lord Jesus. And she had questions too, because all people have questions. You might be a religious sinner, or you might be a worldly sinner, but everybody's got questions, and all the questions end Jesus. All of the searchings of man's soul and sinful condition come face to face with the only one who can change our heart, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does the woman need? She needs a new start. She needs living water. It's not just that she needs to get married to the man she's living with or straighten her life out or turn over a new leaf and try a little harder, get a better reputation in the community. A thousand times, no. What she needed was what only God could provide. She needed that living water. Then when did she get it? Look at the rest of the story. In verse number 14, Jesus said, there's water you don't know about. And she says in verse 15, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. First thing she had to recognize to get her new start is she had to recognize who God was, that God was greater than her, and that God had something for her, and that she couldn't get to God on her own. Somebody else had to help her with that. Do you know where you begin again when you come to the end of you? As long as you're trying, you're not trusting. As long as you're working at it, You're not resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. As long as it's up to you, friend, I'm going to tell you, there is no hope. But the moment you come to the end of yourself and hit a wall, Jesus opens the door and says, all right, now here's the way to everlasting life. She had to recognize who God was. Then she had to recognize who she was. Look at verse number 16. Jesus says to her, go call your husband. (laughs) Talk to me, class. Did Jesus already know the answer? Yes or no? He knows everything. 
He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows your frame. He remembers that you're dust. He knows every bad thing you've ever done. That's the miracle of the grace of God. He knows me better than I know me, and still he loves me with an everlasting love. And he looks at this woman and says, go call your husband and come hither. Verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that sense thou truly. Let me ask you a question. wonder why Jesus said that to her. Was he just needling her a little bit? Was he just trying to make her feel bad? You tell me. What do you think? Was he just trying to run her down? No. Matter of fact, let me tell you the difference between the devil and the Lord Jesus. The devil kicks a man when he's down, stomps him into the ground, tries to remove all hope from him and bring him to despair. Jesus does the exact opposite. He loves us where we are, and he loves us too much to leave us there. So he meets us there, and he lifts us to where we need to be. What was he doing for this woman? He was helping her realize who she was. When Jesus, when our Lord came walking through that garden in the cool of the day and said, Adam! Where art thou? Tell me, did he already know where Adam was? (laughs) He had watched him. He had watched him sewing the fig leaf apron together. He he knew exactly what tree he was standing behind because he's the one who made the tree, you see. God wasn't looking for information. He was looking for confession. This woman had to not only acknowledge who God was, she had to acknowledge who she was. God is holy and I am unholy. God is great and I am a sinner. God is full of love and hope and every good thing. And my life is a mess without him. And then you get to the good part. Because she not only had to come to know who God was and who she was, she had to come to know who Jesus was. Skip down, would you please, to verse number 25. The woman says to him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he's come, he will tell us all things. (laughs) This is so good. Jesus saith unto their, I that speak unto thee am he. I've marked in my Bible, I am the same name that was given in the Old Testament for our great God. The Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New. The Old Testament Messiah that was promised is the New Testament Christ who came. Jesus said, I'm glad to tell you, I'm the person you've been waiting for. I'm the person you've been reading about. I'm the person you've been hearing of. I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I, I am the door. I am the only way to God. And at that moment, her eyes were open. She got it. The light bulb moment, you know, the aha. Because watch this, now she not only knows who God is and who she is. See, that's not enough. Did you know there's a whole world of people who even sit in churches like this who know who God is and know who they are, but they do not really know who Christ is? Last week, I was preaching in Raleigh, North Carolina, and Monday night, I believe it was, no, Sunday night, I was preaching, and I was really preaching to the church. I wasn't really preaching to lost people. But when I finished, I noticed this woman. She was down on the front row to my left. And she was a woman, probably in her mid to late 70s, I would say. And she was very attentive the whole time I was preaching. And when I got done, I asked, is there anybody here that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, and you'd really like to know Jesus as your Savior? And immediately her hand goes up in the air. And she was the only one. There were hundreds of people in the building. She was the only one. So I, I just said, well, everybody's head is bowed. If that's you, lift your head and look at me. She sat straight up, looked straight at me. 
We're just a few feet away, just the two of us. I mean, there's hundreds of people. They were their head bowed, and she and I are talking like we're in her living room, you know. And I said, do you believe that Jesus died for you and is the Son of God? And she shook her head. I said, would you be willing tonight to put your faith in him? She shook her head. And I said, well, if you are, I want you to get up. Now, meet the pastor's wife right here. Let her show you from the Bible how to be saved. She got right up and came across. And the two of them went in the back and talked and prayed. And in a little bit, I was standing in the lobby shaking hands. People were coming out. And uh, this woman came out. Oh, I wish you could have seen her. Face radiant, just glowing. And she said to me, she said, I've always believed in God. She said, I go to a Methodist church down the way. And I said, my grandparents were Methodists. And we talked about that a little bit. Interestingly enough, I had quoted John Wesley in that sermon that night. We talked about that. And, and she said, but tonight, she said it was different. She said, tonight, I not only realized who God was, she said, for the first time, I realized I need to trust Jesus as my Savior. And she said, I did that tonight. Came back on Monday night. This is wonderful. Uh, you know, only people that really love Jesus come back on Monday night. How many of you know that? And I come back on Monday night and look down from the platform. Guess who's sitting right on the front row? That's exactly right. Bible out, ready to go. And I thought, God's done something in her heart. Now, she was 70-some years old, but you know what happened? She got a new birth, and she got living water. She got a new start with Almighty God. That only happens when you recognize who God is, who you are, and who Jesus is, because only Jesus can connect a holy God and unholy fallen humanity. On that cross, when the lights went out, and the cry pierced the darkness, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I'll tell you why. So that we could be reconciled. Do you understand that on that cross, that was a bridge between God and man. Christ became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He took our hell so we could take God's heaven. He took our sin so we could take his righteousness. And in one hand, he took a holy God, and in the other, fallen humanity, sinners like me and like you, and made a way so the two could be one again. I'm telling you on the authority of the Word of God this morning, you can have a new start with God, and it is all because of Jesus Christ. So let's end where we started, shall we? Would you go back to John chapter 3, verse number 16? We took off here, and we're landing here. Yesterday, this is so funny. Yesterday, I flew out of West Virginia, and a lady seated next to me, and I said to her, I said, are you leaving home or, or coming home? And she said, well, she said, kind of both. I said, excuse me? And she said, well, I'm chasing status. You know, people who fly all the time, they try to keep a certain level of status. And she said, I was a flight away from hitting status. She said, so I'm flying to Charlotte, and then I'm waiting a couple hours and getting on a flight and flying back. And I thought, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard of in my life. But she was literally taking off and landing in the same day at the same place. Well, let me tell you what we're doing. We took off from John 3.16. Let's bring it in for a landing here. Look at this beautiful landing strip. It's a safe place to land. Look at John 3.16, because John 3.16 is not just Nicodemus's new beginning and not just the woman at the well's new beginning. This is a new start for every person. The Bible says, read it aloud, ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Most of my life, when I've heard preachers talk about this verse, their emphasis is on the whole world, the whole world. God loves the whole world. And Christ died so the whole world will have a way of salvation, the whole world. And by the way, I'm a, I'm a whole world gospel preacher. I'm glad he loves the whole world. Aren't you glad he loves the whole world? 
But I'm going to tell you something. You can give mental assent and general acknowledgement to the gospel to the whole world and miss the personal aspect of it to yourself. Would you take your pen out? Everybody take a pen out. I want you to circle three people in John 3, 16. Because this is really what matters. Number one, you got God. You got God. What do we know about God? God loves you. I'm telling you this morning that God loves you. God loves your family. God loves your neighbors. God loves the people you do business with. We get angry at them, annoyed with them sometimes. God loves all people. There was never a time he started. There never be a time he stops. He loves with an everlasting love. He can't help himself. That's who he is. God is love. So God loves the whole world. Here's a second person. Would you mark the son, the only begotten son? And that tells us it's not just any child of God. No, no, this is the perfect son, the beloved son. Who is this? This is Jesus. So you've got God. What does we know about him? He loves us. You have the son, the Lord Jesus. What do we know about him? He died for us. And the good news is he not only died, he rose again from the dead. 42 years ago. 42 years ago, a Christian woman shared this with me. Not a preacher. She walked in here today. She's up in years now. You wouldn't even notice her. But she made a difference in my life. She's the first person I remember who opened a Bible and explained to me that God loved me. He didn't just love everybody. He loved me. She told me that Jesus died. Now, I knew he died. But she's the one who helped me understand he didn't just die. He died for my sins. He died in my place. Look, friends, it's got to get personal if it's going to get real. It's not real till it's real to you. He died for your sins. And then she's the one who explained to me not just that he rose from the dead. I knew that. We celebrated that every Easter. She's the one who helped me understand that he rose again to give me everlasting life. And on that day, I bowed my head and my heart. I don't remember what I prayed. It's all right because there's no magic prayer. God doesn't save you because you pray a good prayer. You don't have to convince God to do what Jesus already died for. I simply took God at his word and I got good, good news. He kept his word. And on that day, I put my faith in Jesus and he put his salvation in me. Bells didn't ring. Lights didn't flash. I didn't feel funny all over. I didn't have a vision. None of that. I just simply took God at his word and God kept his promise because he always does. And so here's the third person. Don't you love to find yourself in the Bible? Did you know you're in the Bible? Look at John 3, 16. You're in that verse. You have God. What do we know about him? He loves. You have the Son. What do we know about him? He died and rose from the dead. And then you've got whosoever. Would you mark whosoever? Whosoever is one of God's favorite words. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. What does that mean? It means anybody that's willing to put their faith in Jesus. Jesus said, I'll forgive your sin and give you peace with God. I'll come into your heart now, and I'll take you to live in my home for all eternity. I don't know about you. That sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Did you notice, by the way, it's the same three people that the woman at the well had to come to understand. She, she had no God, she had no herself, and she had no Jesus. You have to know God loves you, and Jesus died for you, and you're a sinner, can't save yourself. But the moment you trust him, you become that whosoever. You can take whosoever out, put your name in, and today you can be 100% certain that your sins have been forgiven and that you have right now everlasting life. I wrote a little brochure about it. Matter of fact, I'm going I'm to give it to you before you leave today. I'm give everybody a copy of it. It looks like this. And it says on the front, sound familiar? Would you like a new start? It came out of my conversation with that waitress in Atlanta. 
I've given out hundreds and hundreds of them, maybe thousands of them since then. A woman said to me the other day, they had gotten some at their church, and she said, most amazing thing, preacher. She said, I've been taking them to the grocery store and passing them out. She said, just when you hand them to people, it starts a conversation. You know why that is? Because everybody right now is trying to figure out how to have a new start. I'm on an airplane. I try to speak to people about the Lord. Don't always do it like I should. I try to. I'm on an airplane. Businessman comes and sits down next to me. And the moment he sat down, I greeted him, said hello. But before I could start any conversation, he didn't want to talk. You ever been around people like that? Before I could get anywhere in a conversation, he put his headphones on and zoned out. It was a long flight, and they started bringing liquor to him. And they just kept bringing it. And he drank his way through that flight. And I, the longer I'm sitting there, I'm burdened for this man. I'm burdened for him. I don't know his name. And he got there. I'm thinking about this man's soul. And I said to the Lord, I said, well, Lord, I don't guess I'm going to get to talk to him. He got ready to land. He's still got his headphones on and not interested in talking. And, and I said to the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to tell me some way to have a conversation with this man. I don't know even how where to begin. And the Holy Spirit said, will not you just hand him one of those gospel tracts? Did you know preachers get nervous witnessing too? I mean, you think you stand up and preach. Look, it's easier to preach to a thousand people than it is to talk to one person. Isn't that right? It absolutely is. We all fear rejection, you know. And by the way, when you're on a plane at 30,000 feet and they find out they're seated next to a preacher, they're either really glad they're sitting next to you or really wish they weren't. You know what I mean? And I took this, this gospel track out. I wouldn't like it. And I just did this. Now, he's ignored me the whole time. Made it very obvious he didn't really want to have any interaction. The minute I put this in front of him, he looked at it, looked at me, looked back at it, took his headphones off, and he said to me, this is what I've been looking for. I said, excuse me? And he surprised me. Tears got in his eyes, and he said to me, he said, I don't know who you are, he said, but he said, my life's a mess. You could tell by his, by his clothing, he was a well-to-do man. He said to me, I own lots of businesses. He said, I'm flying to one of my homes right now on the coast. He said, but my life's a mess. He said, I've lost my family. He said, I got no peace, sir. I said, I can tell you how to have it. Because a new start always begins with a new heart. And that only begins with Jesus. Our Father, I pray right now that the Lord by his spirit will do what no preacher can do.